Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. So today we're going to be talking about relationships and, um, you know, one of the things that's important when we think about relationships is that we understand that God has a divine design for the world, but he also has a divine design for our relationships. And so if we start with Romans 12, starting in verse 2, um, which is one of our favorite verses to lean into, um, this is what it says. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. This is what's really interesting. I was listening to a podcast earlier uh, this week, and it was talking about the word repent in the Bible. And we have this like concept of repent that's like a very emotional concept. And yes, it can include emotion, but there's two different definitions depending on which language you're looking at. One is literally to turn around and go a different direction. And the other one is to change your mind. And so when we look at this and we say, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think think this is an outflow of repentance, of choosing to turn and go a different direction. And, and as Christians, this is what we believe, is that our marriages, our relationships should be different. Our marriages, our relationships should look different, but they won't be different unless we make them different. Yeah, that's right? Right? And, and, and that's why we, we have to understand we have to design our relationships for divine purpose. We have to choose to design our relationships for divine purpose. And, and we know this intrinsically, but, but what does it really mean? How do we actually work that out? And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to actually have a Christian marriage, a biblically based and biblically defined marriage. What kind of different is a Christian marriage? And we're going to do that through a framework of purpose, perspective, plan, and practice. So that's what we're going to be working through. Uh, this week we'll be talking about purpose, but then in the weeks to come, we're going to be talking about the right perspective, the plan, and the practice. Because uh, your purpose, listen, your purpose, it, it shapes your perspective. Your perspective is your mental view. Your perspective is the lens that you are through, looking through. It is your mindset. It is your expectation. So if you don't have the right purpose of marriage, you're not going to have the right mental view of what marriage actually is. And then your perspective is what will help form your plan. So it is my mentality about marriage, my mindset about marriage, my expectation of what marriage is, is, is going to then begin to form the plan of how do I carry this out, and then your plan is going to inform your practice, okay? It's going to inform what you put into play. Let's just take a moment and think about the Super Bowl today, 
okay? Because, I mean, that's what you should do on Super Bowl Sunday. You should talk about the Super Bowl, right? And so, and, and listen, I, I came today, it doesn't matter who you're cheering for, whether you're cheering for the Chiefs or the Niners, look, I'm wearing your team's colors, so we're connected, okay? So it's like, I mean, I, I was, it was strategically planned today. Uh, but let, let's talk about the Super Bowl for a moment. Listen, the Super Bowl, these teams, listen, they have to know their purpose. And their purpose going into the game is to play at their highest level. Their purpose is to execute at a level that will allow them to win the game, to defeat their opponent. That's the purpose. But that purpose is what shapes their perspective. So their perspective is, is this is not going to be easy because this other team is in the Super Bowl too. Meaning that they are a great football team, right? right. They, they understand that there's going to be challenges out there on the field. They, they understand that when they show up in Vegas, this is not a vacation. This is a business trip. Yeah. So this is their mentality going into this game, which then does what? It begins to form their plan, their strategy of attack. Right? It begins to put some things into play, like there, there, there is a curfew. There are some things that are non-negotiable with these guys because of what their perspective is that's coming from their purpose. And then that perspective and that plan is then going to inform how are we going to go out there and practice. It's the grind, right? It's, it's the extra rep. It's the extra hour on the practice field. It's the extra hour watching videotape, right? It's what begins to say, okay, we got to change this. We got to tweak that. How are we practicing for what our purpose actually is? So everything is all in this whole, this whole thing, right? And so what happens is, is that we need to know our purpose because if they showed up in Las Vegas, right, and they said, we're not really here to win. We're just here to have a good experience. It would shape the way that they do this week, right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> if they said, listen, we're not really here to win. We're just here to make sure that everybody has playing time, right? We just want everybody to have a great experience and have fun out there on the field, right? You got to decide. I mean, is this the big leagues or is this little league, right? I mean, sometimes you got to make a decision. You know, do I want to be a Navy SEAL or a Baby SEAL, right? I mean, you just got to decide, like, which one am I going for? Because if I don't have the purpose, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make different decisions, right? Your purpose needs to be crystal clear because your purpose is going to inform and influence every other part of your relational journey. And so that's why we're going to kick off talking about purpose. Absolutely, and it's crucial to knowing whether or not we are on the right track of knowing what that purpose actually is. Um, because like he said, it's going to depend on the way that you actually prepare, but also the way that you execute. So if you think that marriage is about making you happier and making you feel more secure, and it's about meeting your needs, then it's going to change the way that you view that person. It's going to change the way that you view that process. But if you see it as making you better, making it more, more like Jesus, giving you a microcosm to practice what it looks like to love everyone, including your enemy, who sometimes that's how you feel about your spouse, right? We've been married almost 20 years, and, and I was talking to somebody about that the other day, and I thought to myself, you know, I knew that there would be bad days, and I knew there would be bad weeks, but I didn't know there would be hard years. But getting through the hard years brought me to new beautiful places. You know, it's funny. Um, 
People talk about wanting to like, oh, like, how can you stay with the same person your whole life? You don't. God did make you to fall in love with somebody new over time, but just the same person. Because as we change, it's like, oh, man, I I get to fall in love with you all over again because you aren't the same person I married. Thank God you aren't the same person I married. Thank God that you're growing and evolving and becoming. And I get a chance to find the thing about you that is valuable. My grandmother, whenever I got married, uh, this is what she told me is she said, baby girl, your marriage is going to have a lot more to do with your relationship with Jesus than it does your relationship with Philip. And I thought, rude. (laughs) But if the purpose is to honor God in my relationship, not just to rely on my relationship to make me happy or to give me what I need or to judge it based on that, then, then she's absolutely right. And so we have to ask, what's the purpose of Christian marriage? This is the first thing is that in the beginning, God created the earth. And God created the relationship that we call marriage. He created it. That, that's how he created us. In Mark 10, um, Jesus is talking about marriage, and he says male and female were created from the beginning of creation, and, and that there's a purpose to that unification. And, and he, he speaks to the importance of that, that we are the building blocks literally of society. Even outside of Christian cultures, they recognize that. Like there's this really famous song in China. It's every country is a family and every family is a small country. And what they're trying to say is that every country is made up of these building blocks of these units of people who, who, who create the backbone of society. There is a deep, important mission to our marriages. Yeah, when we talk about our purpose in marriage, I would say our purpose is twofold, right? Our, our purpose in marriage is to bring glory to God and to build his kingdom, right? It is to bring glory to God and to build his kingdom, which is the same purpose for every Christ follower, okay? So it's like, this is my purpose as a Christ follower. This is what I am supposed to be doing on my own. But now when God brings us together, now together we are glorifying God and we are building and expanding his kingdom. And Christian marriage in particular is intended to show the world a picture of God through its unconditional love and its uncommon unity, okay? It's it's a picture of God. It shines God into the world through its unconditional love and through its uncommon unity. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 13. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Everybody say love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, look at this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, sometimes the thing that we forget is that this verse should actually start with the people inside our home. (laughs) Your spouse is not exempt just because you do life with them every day. It's actually where this verse should begin. 
We shouldn't just love the barista and love the server and love the bank teller and love all the people and love our coworker because that's what Jesus called me to do. No, 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 that, that verse right there, it should start in our home first and I should love my spouse with unconditional love and through that unconditional love, we can create an uncommon unity that shines the light of God into the world. And so when we use this word love, I, I think we need to define it. So let's just read a couple of verses that do that. So 1 Corinthians 13, you can read the whole chapter. It's, it's all about love. It's really about defining what love is and isn't. And this is what it says. Love is patient and kind, not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. It never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Circumstance. You don't fall into that. All right. So, so can we just can we just do that? Okay. You fall into desire. You see somebody across the room, or they say something really smart, and you fall into desire. You don't fall into love. Love is cultivated. Love is something that is completely different than the way that we, we often that we often use it. Uh, I love Ecclesiastes. It says two are better off than one because they can help each other succeed. What a beautiful purpose. They can help each other succeed. And then it talks about a three-strand cord it is even better. It can't be easily broken. And, and when we have these relationships, but we put God at the center of our lives, and then God at the center of our marriage, and then we have the purposes of God as the basis for whether or not we are succeeding, we have something on the outside to look to. Not just whether or not Philip is making me happy that day, or irritating me, or not doing what I want him to do, or vice versa, right? But so many times we can miss out because we are just reflecting on how good our marriage is based on our feelings on that given day, which can be affected by the weather, what we ate, what our coworkers said, what we watched on TV, what we saw on Instagram, and all of these different things. And we're like, ah, I'm not succeeding in marriage. And it's like, maybe you are, you just don't feel like it. Maybe you're gaining the strength in your relationship that you're going to need for the long haul. Because if the purpose is to become that kind of person in 1 Corinthians 13, I mean, you could stay there, not read anything else in the Bible and never, ever, ever get bored. You'd never run out of, of things to do. And to work on because it's like, ah, you, you, you get hit somewhere in there. Every single personality type gets hit somewhere in there. But a Christian marriage is one that is built on mission. And, and you're not going to hear us talk a whole lot yeah. about when we fell in love, even though we fell in love really, really hard. Mm -hmm. We just said we didn't, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We fell into desire really, really hard. Yeah. Like we, we just, we adored each other. But the thing that got us together even before that was mission. Yeah. I saw the way that he loved Jesus, and I was like, no one else, no one else is running this hard. Mm. But I wanted to. Mm. Mm. And I said, well, I want, I want that. And he looked at me, and I don't know what he thought. But anyway. <laughs> same, babe, same, same. <laughs> and we wrote letters to each other for years. Like, it, it, it's just, I look back. 
And and our intensity level when it came to the mission of the kingdom of God, I mean, we almost didn't get married because I thought, well, I'm not 100% sure whether he's going to be willing to go to the mission field. And at that point, I felt called to the mission field. And, and, and God, like, spoke to me and said, you take care of you. I'll take care of him. Within a few months, he has this experience where he has, like, the call of God on his life for missions and is just broken for the nations. And now he's preached in more countries than I have. but mission has always been the thing that has kept us together you can read our personality types we shouldn't be married you can look at our birth order we definitely shouldn't be married you can look at how vocal we are Mm -hmm. and how intense we are ask anyone who's been on staff with us and we shouldn't (laughs) be married but the mission That was the best amen ever. I'm not going to recover from that. that Y'all, when when Clarissa, can I just tell this story really quickly and then you can just do whatever. Okay. So, So when we came on staff here at North Point, we did not know Clarissa. I think we met like at, I don't even know. We didn't know her. And there was only three of us on staff. It was us and Clarissa, and both of us had full-time jobs, and so it was Clarissa, (laughs) and uh, we would invite the janitor and the head of the daycare to actually sit in our um, staff meetings so that we felt like we had a fuller table, and they were like, you know, we have things to do, and we're like, just sit there because we need to feel like we have a staff, Um, but Clarissa was not used to our uh, direct way of communicating. And we would sit there, and he would be like, babe, I think you're completely wrong on this. This is the way we should go. And I'd be like, yes, but look at this data. And we're like going, and we're not mad. We're just going because that's how we communicate. Like we go, you know. And I look over at Clarissa, and she is like trying to disappear in her chair. She's like, what has happened? What have I got myself into? So thank you, Clarissa, for putting up with us for so many years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I don't know what that had to do with anything. Yeah, it's all good, though. It's all good. A Christian marriage is a marriage built on mission. That's yes. what it is. Uh, and, and, it, and then we say, like, okay, but then the question, like, but what, if, like, but what about me, right? Like, what about, what about my happiness? What about my fulfillment? What about my desire? Here, here's what I would say is that the logic of the kingdom is backwards logic. Right, the, the logic of the kingdom, the way the kingdom works, the way that it that the way that God has set it up in his divinity, right? It messes with our humanity. Because it's a difficult we it's hard for us to understand, right? And this is why in, in Matthew, when Jesus says this, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you, right? He's like, Hey, why don't you put God first and seek what he wants for you? first primary and God will take care of all of these other things that that you need in your life Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 16 he says if if any of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way take up your cross and follow me he says if you try to hang on to your life you will lose it but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, here's when you've been in the church for so long. When you read that, you're like, okay, yes, so I give up my life here today for eternal life one day. Yes, it does mean that, but it means so much more than that. 
This is not just about you give up your life here on earth for eternity in heaven. No, Jesus is teaching us a principle about this life as well. That whenever you surrender your life here on earth and you choose what he wants, you choose his path, you choose his way, then you get that and you get these other things because that's the way God has set it up. It doesn't make sense in our mind, but that is God's divine design. And, and whenever we enter into this, this holy communion, yeah. right, where, where two become one, the thing that's interesting is that that language is used in Jesus' prayer when Jesus is praying in John 17. And he says, Father, I pray you would make them one as me and you are one. Yeah. The oneness of God is exhibited through the oneness of our marriage here on this earth. It is the picture of God whenever we do marriage the way that God created us to do marriage. It is a picture. It is a shining light into the world of what oneness and what God really looks like. Yes, because the Trinity is really um, this beautiful model of mutual submission. That's how, that's how the Trinity is modeled through marriage. And so we can look at Ephesians chapter 5, starting verse 15, and it says this. It says, so be careful how you live. We're talking about be purposeful, right? If we're talking about being careful, it's be purposeful. Be purposeful in how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And then it keeps going. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes through this very long and detailed passage And it ends with, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say again, every man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And we get hung up on this word submission, but sometimes we mess up because submitting to each other is the general, then we get specific. Now hear me, we can't let the specific Negate the general. Paul starts with a general statement. Submit to each other. And then he gives this very important theology, an analogy to Christ and the church. He admits that the way that this works is super hard to understand. And he sums it up with so love and respect, submit to each other. And we can't let how the specific works negate the general principle. We're to live submitted first to Christ, to his mission, and then to each other. And if we do a good job of the first two, no, hear me. If we do a good job of the first two, the third will be simpler. And that's what my grandmother was talking about. Was destiny, if you are more worried about pleasing God, then you are pleasing yourself in your marriage. Then you will live a Christian marriage. Because there will be times where you will be crying and mad, looking at yourself in the mirror in the bathroom like you've never done it. (laughs) 
and you will be thinking of all of the ways that you are mistreated. And you will hear that little Holy Spirit voice that says, go out there and apologize. But I'm not the only one who's wrong. In fact, I'm not wrong-est. And in that moment, it won't be about you and Philip. It'll be about you and Jesus. And are you submitted to his way? Or are you not? Are you submitted to his purpose? Or are you not? I think we all want to live on mission. I think we all want to be on mission. But are we willing to do mission the way that God has designed us to do mission? And before we just go any further, I want to say this. For some of you, you go, that's really nice that you and Philip got together because of mission. That's really nice. But you have no idea why my spouse and I got together, and it was not for that. This is what's so great about the gospel is it works in every situation, in every family, everywhere. It just does. And even if it's only one of you who's in this place in this moment, and you're going, well, my husband isn't even a Christian, or my wife isn't even following Jesus, or whatever it is. Hey, you can live submitted to Christ. You can live as an example of love and of grace. You can live completely devoted to the mission of building God's kingdom. You can do it. So don't feel excluded by this moment. And other of you, you're looking and you're like, I'm in that looking season, I just want to encourage you, put the mission above desire. Don't fall into the trap of living according to the customs and the behaviors of this world, but allow God to transform you by changing the way you think, even about relationships. And, And the reason that we submit, listen, is because we are called to live underneath the mission. Think about the word submission, right? Submission is to be underneath the mission. I want you to think about the Super Bowl. Once again, it's only, it's only the right thing to do. I want you to think about the Super Bowl tonight. 53 guys on both rosters, and they have a mission. They have a purpose. The purpose is to win. And do you know what there's no room for in that mission? There's no room for temper tantrums on the sideline because somebody's not getting the ball enough. You know what there's not room for in the Super Bowl? I don't like my role in this game. I need more playing time. there's There's not any room for that. Why? Because it's about the mission. It's not about their personal feelings. It's not about how many times they touch the ball. It's not about if they score or they don't score. It is about the mission. And no matter what, the mission is more important. The mission is more important. And for us, in Christian marriage, the mission is more important. The mission of God is more important. But here's what I would say about the mission. Destin was referring to it a moment ago. Is that you're not going to have a mission-based marriage if you're not a mission-based man. You're not going to have a mission-based marriage if you're not a mission-based woman. Because it starts in you first, 
And then it bleeds out to those that are closest to you, which would be a mission-based marriage. And then out of that, you can have a mission-based family. And then out of that, you can really live a mission-based life with the people that are around your life, right? That's how it works. But it starts because I am living my life mission-based. And we said the Christian marriage is two things, glorifying God and building his kingdom. So if I am not glorifying God through my personal obedience to his word and to his way, then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have a mission-based marriage because I'm not a mission-based man. And if I'm not building the kingdom of God by, by living the way that God created me to live, by shining his light, by being salt in the earth, by loving unconditionally, by, by forgiving those who wrong me, if I'm not expanding his kingdom and his way on the earth, in, internally in my life, then it's not going to happen in our lives. It starts with me and then it affects the we. So Christian marriage is all about me making sure, am I living? Am I living to glorify God? And am I living to build his kingdom? I'm gonna ask you just to stand over this place and we're gonna close. This is just what I'd like you to think about is when you think about your marriage and its purpose, how have you thought about it? If you're not married, if you, when you think about marriage, when you think about relationships, how, how do you think about it? If you were going to define that, that statement of purpose, what, what would it look like? And does it look like what the Bible says? When, when you think about love, is it more defined by 1 Corinthians 13 or by songs on the radio? When you think about the things you want to change in your marriage, are they all about that other person? Or are you at the top of your own list? You know, I just think about that early experience that I had where I was like, I don't know if, I don't know if he's the one for me because, you know, this thing in his life hasn't gotten fixed yet. And I'm so grateful that the Lord really spoke to me just, hey, I'll take care of that. And then I watched him do it. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Because there's been so many times in my life where I wanted to fix him. No, come on. If you would just do life the way that I say, because obviously my life's perfect that I am fully control of. But when I focus on becoming more like Jesus, when I focus on my mission, when I focus on being servant of all, which is the best defini definition of submission I've ever heard, when I focus on those things, then I say, Holy Spirit, you take care of him. But what if he doesn't? Then you end up being a better person. That's a loss. 
Hey, I'm not being flippant with your pain. I get it. There's pain in the room, okay? But what I am saying is, is that Jesus' way is the very best way to live. That's why we follow him. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.